Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending. There, we got rid of it. Anyway, we have a series of broadcasts that we're doing on the whole... Hold on, I just realized I have to end up... One other mic has to be muted. There we go. Got the feedback out of there. We're trying some new equipment again today, issuing, dealing with the audio issues we had last week. So I apologize to all of you that listened to that. Many of you said, yeah, that wasn't that bad. Content anyway. Who wants the ads? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're glad to have you with us again. It is Monday, August 3rd, and we're continuing with our broadcast on innovation in the mortgage industry. We have as our special guest, Terry Wakefield. If you recall last week's broadcast, and if you did not get a chance to listen to last week's broadcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. We had Jack Nunnery on, who is heading up the new mortgage correspondent aggregation platform at Texas Capital Bank, and we talked about all the innovation that's going into that new platform. I had the privilege of being there at the whiteboard when there was no lines on it, started working with it, and then they brought Terry into the process and drew a whole bunch more lines, and then others contributed it, and it's a very innovative new launch and a greenfield experience within the correspondent lending area. So uh, excited to have Terry on. He contributed a great deal to it. Jack was very complimentary of him in yesterday's broadcast, so we reached out to him, and he's been very gracious to join us today. Again, this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Award and uh, Progress in Lending Innovation Award. Excuse me. So good to have them uh, behind us and recognizing what we're doing here. A lot of work goes into this, a lot of time, and a special thank you goes out to all of our sponsors. You know, those that are making it possible are really folks like United Guarantee. They have just got the most wonderful group of underwriting teams, and I want to talk about that briefly. They have spent quite a bit of time really focusing on their full-file underwriting uh, submission, and they now have 24-hour turnaround and 98% of the files on the full-file application submissions, and that's during 2014, and they're on course to do that or on track to do that again this year. Mortgage underwriting has been the focus of a three-year initiative there at United Guarantee, and the full-file MI applications have made it much faster and easier for lenders. They employ over 200 underwriters who have collaboratively worked with their customers to ensure a 24-hour turnaround. And on the full-file submissions, there's no service other than than UG that provides that 24-hour service. At least I haven't heard about it, and uh, that's what... That I've heard many of the customers say how pleased they are with the service they're realizing from United Guarantee. If you want to learn more about it, go over to their website, www.ugcorp.com forward slash day one. Mortgage insurance underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. Thank you, United Guarantee, for being a sponsor of the broadcast. Also, very big thank you goes out to Velma, Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. They do a great job of 
doing marketing campaigns. They do get the word out on our broadcast that we do here, podcast, and uh, it's a set it, forget it program, as well as a fully managed where they're intricately involved with you, helping you craft your message. They're the nation's easiest and most affordable, powerful marketing platform that I have seen, and I encourage you to check it out. Special thank you goes out to Alice Alvey, uh, Joe Farr, who's on vacation this week, or he's not, he's actually at a conference, and then Andy Shell. And also a special thank you goes out to Paul Malo and Sam Garcia, all of which contribute to making this possible. Normally, Joe would be jumping in here and doing this segment of the broadcast, but uh, he is, again, out of the office, so I am jumping into the fray and trying to do my best of filling his shoes. But we have got so much to talk about. Uh, we got coming out today Core PCE, the ISM Services Index, construction spending, and personal income. We're going to be looking at those numbers. When you look at all the data that's rolling out this week and you really begin to see some of the aspects of what's happening, like just today we've seen a nice rally in the markets, and uh, that is very encouraging to see how powerful it is. Now, right now we're up about 6.30 seconds, and it looks like it's on the high side heading up towards 8.30 seconds on the Fannie Mae three-and-a-half-year right at the moment. I've got their website up here and looking at it. You know, we look at last week, the Fed statement, there was really not no surprises in what the Fed Reserve had to say. Janet Yellen's comments were really no, no big surprise there. And then you look at the first look at the second quarter GDP, there was no reason for some of the rate activity uh, that we saw, the rate improvement we saw last week. And then you look at second quarter data came in a little weak. It came in 2.3 versus the 2.7. Um, and then you look at the overall, you know, just the, the, the mixed amount of data that's coming out. Um, there was just enough out there to really continue to move mortgage rates lower. Now, we've had Les Parker on the broadcast, and he says, Dave, we're going to see another dip down on mortgage rates. And I did not – I wasn't sure. I was buying into the rhetoric that we're going to see the Federal Reserve um, put rates uh, – continue to put an upward pressure on mortgage rates, at least with their commentary. And you know, many were saying we're going to see at least one, possibly two rate hikes. And now with the latest information, some of the latest economic information, it is probably not going to be the case. So um, this week we've got the nonfarm payroll com information coming out. That's on Friday. That's really going to be the big one. It's the unemployment data. We're also going to be looking at um, – New net new jobs expected to be about 222,000, and then also that before that number comes out, we got factory orders coming out on Tuesday. We got ADP uh, payroll change numbers coming out, as well as the ISM Services Index on Wednesday. Job claims on Thursday. So lots of economic data. If you haven't been if you're not signed up for the MBS Quote Line service, I encourage you to do it and check it out. They're a great service and one that I rely on and use every single day in the course of doing the consulting here, at, especially as revising on what, you know, when to lock, when to hold, when to fold, as they say in the, the production world. Folks, we're going to be right back. We've got Paul Mollo on the line. Looking forward to getting some of his comments and check out his website and some of the things he's looking at. We'll be right back after this brief break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteline delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline. Delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS. MBSQuoteLine.com MBSQuoteLine.com 
646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin'. Good to have you back with us, everybody. Paul Marlowe, good to have you on the broadcast and uh, checking out your website here. You've got some interesting stories. You ran one last week on my transition and the uh, thing I'm going to be doing. I appreciated the sure. that. I got a, boy, if there's any question, and I say this to anyone who should be advertising on your website, if there's any question whether or not your website gets read or your blog that you post out gets read, I, I, have them call me because the phone calls that generated was unbelievable. So uh, thank you for calling attention to it. I was not I was trying to fly under the radar a little bit until the uh, September when we're making it official. But, um, you know, you got the story and you ran with it and you did a good job. So good to have you on here. Sure. Thanks. What you got let us know what you're doing, Davey. When you, when you do something with the new firm, just let us know. Yeah, we'll be talking about it. Thank you. Uh, just a note about MBS prices. I, I don't know if your readers or your listeners, I should say, uh, realize, but apparently when the Greek uh, stock market opened this morning, um, I'm looking at something on the screen, apparently it, it shed over 20. I guess this is right. It says, it's an AP report saying the uh, main stock market there shed 22% shortly after the open. Uh, it closed down 16.2%. So I guess, you know, if Joe was here, I guess he'd be talking about a flight to quality again. That's a pretty uh, pretty hefty <laughs> decline, 22%. Ouch. No kidding. Not yeah. a great way to start the stock market when it opens, reopens, but it tells you a lot about what's going on over there, and it does seem to be contributing to a flight to quality. I'm looking at some of the notes. I'll be talking more about that later. Sure. But, yeah. Okay, and on our website, we got uh, John Bancroft crunched the numbers for the um, – Second quarter, as he done, he likes to go through all the publicly traded banks, and, and he came up with some pretty interesting numbers. Um, you know, we look at about 25 publicly traded banks, the mega banks, as well as some of the mid-tier ones, uh, and it looks like that uh, the banks involved in the mortgage sector that report mortgage earnings reported a uh, combined $4.39 billion in mortgage banking income in the second quarter. Uh, what's interesting about that, it's uh, some of the strongest profits uh, they posted in mortgages in two years. So banks are you know, doing having a fairly good year in mortgage banking. It'll be interesting to see what they do the second half of the year. Non-banks continue to gain ground. But banks, uh, you know, with their current strategy of sticking to high-quality loans, look like they're turning nice profits. So, uh Number two on the website today, two harbors. They're uh, uh, working on a new Jumbo MBS deal. Uh, It's all QMs, of course, uh, on this one, and there's not a whole lot of seasoning. Uh, Brandon Ivey wrote that story. Uh, We also have a story about Citadel. We we write about them a lot because they're – yeah, they're really the only non-prime lender that's uh, that has transparency. Uh, There's a few of them out there, Deep Haven, Angel Oak, and there's a few more – but Citadel does a pretty good job of keeping us abreast of what they're doing. They're a non-prime, a non-agency lender. They do jumbos, and this is stuff that uh, obviously Fannie and Freddie would never touch, uh, and they originated and sell it off to investors. We don't know who their investors are, but the big news is they just increased their loan size to $3 million from $2 million, and they do a lot of lending in California. Their LTVs are pretty reasonable, uh, 65 and 70%. Uh, California, by the way, we crunched some numbers. John did that one too. That's probably not surprising that uh, California generated more than twice as many uh, home loans that carry some type of private mortgage insurance. But when you look at the uh, total number of loans in the state, 
that are uh, actually have no mortgage insurance, it's about 33%. So some interesting numbers there. Also, Freddie Mac rolled out a new securitization program for small balance multifamily loans. That broke this morning. We got that on the website. In the short take section, we're talking about PMAC and Blackstone. We've been writing about Blackstone's M&A plans in the space for, for probably since March or April now. You know, they, they inked a deal to buy Blackstone. Apparently, the thing just closed. There was supposed to be some kind of public announcement on Saturday. Uh, there wasn't one. We understand the deal, again, did close. Uh, at least that's what we're told. For some reason, Blackstone is out there buying mortgage companies or looking at mortgage companies and doing something. Uh, but, you know, they're not telling the world what they're doing. They're not putting out any financial statements, any press releases. They're not giving interviews, but everyone's talking about what Blackstone's doing, but there's no acknowledgement from them yet. I don't, I'm not sure why they're taking that strategy. A lot of companies like publicity because it, you know, it feeds business, but it's not happening. Um, so, and a couple other interesting stories, just one quick one I'll, I'll get to. Uh, a publication called Cap in New York, which I really don't know much about, they're reporting that Cuomo, uh, the governor of New York, is ready to select John Coffey as the next superintendent of the New York Department of Financial Services. That's the regulatory body that uh, your listeners probably know made a lot of trouble for uh, Aquin, Financial, and a couple other mortgage lenders. Uh, so that's all the uh, the good stuff for today. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Folks, if you're not checking out this website and getting this, Paul and his team, I, I kid you not, they really are got great feelings out in the market. A lot of people break news stories through Paul and the group. And also the analytics that they go into when you're looking about some of the, you know, like Blackstone, you cover that a lot. I mean, Citadel, there's always a lot of stories. We're always looking for every angle we can to see anyone new coming into the marketplace. So we're pleased to see that you're there and covering it. And, again, if you're looking for a great place to get your word out about your products and services, uh, I encourage you to advertise on this website. I Trust me, I know it's well read. When you wrote the story, my phone blew up on it. So, Paul, good to have you here, my friend. And Thank you for having me. And we'll be talking to you. I look forward to having you back next week. All right, man? Have a good day. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you. Let's run over to Alice Alvey. I always appreciate Alice when she gets a chance to come in and give us an update of all things going on, regulatory, and uh, well, everything else that we need. There's just a lot of us don't want to always go read. Alice gives an update on it. So, Alice, good to have you here with us. Hi, Dave. Boy, you said a mouthful there about other people don't like to read. I can't tell you how many times I get those kind of phone calls. Yeah, I, I don't want to read this. Can you complain? Can you right. <laughs> well, or they read it and they don't know what the heck it said, and I can't blame them. You know, it's not from lack of intelligence. It's just some of the stuff has got such crazy wording or there are big gaps. And those are certainly the probably the biggest thing lenders are working on right now. It's kind of those fine-tuning of procedures that go on with, uh, TILA RESPA integrated disclosures in trying to make sure that you get those final procedures worked out with the little details on the street. So that's that's really the level folks are at with that. But enough of that. Let me give you an actual legislative update. <laughs> um, I meant to look up the date of the show, but we had Dave Stevens on, was it um, over a month ago now? And I believe yeah. he talked about um, House Bill 1941 and then there's a related Senate Bill 774. 
And this is basically a bill that starts to open the door for the restructuring of Fannie and Freddie. Uh, it has a lot of components on it. It's pretty large. Built into this were a couple other bills we were watching for you, which included some things that are important to people on the street, like, you know, an allowing an individual who's employed by a financial institution who's a registered LO to continue originating for 120 days after being employed by a state licensed non-depository. So it makes you a little makes it a little easier if I'm added uh, to make that switch right from one company to the next from uh, registered to licensed a little bit easier. I don't know. That sounds challenging to manage, but nonetheless, I think would be great for sales. Uh, it still has in there the component to have certain portfolio products be classified as non-QM or at least a QM with a safe harbor uh, to make that a little bit easier. Several things about you know the federal home loan banks and reporting. It's it's very big, and I guess we would probably dedicate a show to talking about it if it gets any more legs. But it was reported to committee uh, on the 29th, which means it moved a little closer. Now, instead of having a snowball's chance of on a hot day of getting approved, it's actually moved to more like maybe a 15, 20%. So it's moved forward a little bit, and we'll watch it. Even passing the House doesn't mean we actually have something on fire to watch, but Certainly, the MBA will be um, watching this as well. Um, so that's one of the things that actually took had legislative movement. Um, from a uh, other standpoint, I guess I just want to give folks a heads up. Um, there are there's some things in the news lately about different settlements that the CFPB has made over the years. They're touting their four-year anniversary and talking about the fact that you know they have over 10 billion in money uh, that they've received and back to consumers, and you know they've got their little PR campaign going out on that. And in that are several examples of cases where a lender had a document that they thought covered them, like a disclosure going to the borrower, an affiliated business arrangement disclosure, or a marketing agreement in place. And it turns out an agreement doesn't waive a federal law. Who knew, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we joke around about this a little bit on the compliance world of, can I have a piece of paper that has the borrower waive everything and then I just don't have to do any of this, right? They acknowledge they just want to close the loan without hassle. Um, so th to me, there are some big messages that the CFPB is sending and about process. It's not about a piece of paper. So affiliate, uh, affiliated business arrangements, you need to be very careful with, um, marketing agreements. And folks today are looking at, could I ever waive, you know, uh, giving out the appraisal three days in advance? When can I do that? People are looking for efficiencies, and so they start looking at what can I waive. A piece of paper with the borrower acknowledging oh, I'm okay with this, I, I'm okay if you go this route, doesn't change our obligation. Most of us know that, but because it's been in the news a little bit on a couple of fronts, I want to make sure folks uh, check with your attorneys or check with folks like us on compliance. We're happy to help you on that. Last but not least, uh, Fannie Mae did obtain some clarification on the IRS transcript issue, so that came out July 28th. Uh, so for those of you who weren't paying attention because you were thinking about other things, uh, read this. I think it helps. Um, we do not have to get a 4506T prior to closing, and that's causing some angst. Our problem is selling it to investors who require it. Usually that seems to be the challenge. Uh, but read this announcement from Fannie Mae. You know, on one hand, they say, hey, you don't have to get it. But on the other hand, they go, yeah, but, you know, if it's your policy, here's what you should be doing. Um, they haven't officially let us off the hook on 
you know, staying on top of our QC, but it certainly does help that you need to have it documented and you need to make sure that you are making every attempt possible to be able to get that transcript. If you do get a code 10 where they're not obtainable, then you are okay. They do say you don't need to take further steps. So I thought this was helpful because I think there was some, uh, you know, uh, things out there. Folks were being very conservative, but again, a lot of times driven by investors uh, who are overly conservative. So those might, those might be a helpful memo for you to dig out and show your investors. So that's my two cents for today, Dave, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today with Terry Wakefield. Yeah, I am too. Very much looking forward to it. And we appreciate you being here. Folks, if you want to learn more about Mortgage U, I encourage you to listen to this ad. And stay tuned because we've got Sam Garcia coming up right after the break, as well as then followed up by The Profit Doctor. We'll be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. It's good to have you be here with us, everybody. We've got Sam Garcia on the phone with us. Sam's got a great publication out there. It's an online publication. It does a great job. And I keep looking to Sam for a lot of material when it comes to research on the industry. Some of the content he has on the website is outstanding. gets into a lot of data points. But then some of the research material he has there, very, very solid. So, Sam, good to have you with us. What you got for us today? Hey, Dave, thanks for having me on. Uh, Last week, our mortgage market index was down 6%. And uh, the index, that's just a reflection of per-user product and pricing inquiries by uh, Open Close, which provides uh, that data for us each week. But despite the overall decline, jumbo activity shot up 27%. So uh, interesting that uh, jumbo activity is getting stronger uh, as we see these refinances start to fade. Uh, fixed rate agency MBS issuance was $125 billion last month. Uh, that's based on data that's given to us by EMBS. That was up 9% from June, and it was the strongest month for fixed rate MBS issuance by the agency since August 2013. And leading the surge last month was Freddie Mac, which uh, had a 14% increase. Um, Second quarter residential loan originations over at First Republic Bank were $2.9 billion, and uh, what was significant about that, it was 48% more than the first quarter. So that was one of the biggest increases we've seen on a quarter-over-quarter basis during this earnings seasons. And, of course, as you know, we, we cover quarterly mortgage originations by both publicly traded mortgage companies, and uh, we do an origination survey that gives us uh, information on some of the smaller players, too, though some of them aren't so small anymore. Last week, uh, Wells Fargo and Prospect Mortgage disclosed plans to abandon marketing service agreements. Um, that was kind of interesting, and both yeah. companies cited regulatory uh, concerns and RESPA concerns in their decisions. Um, residential Credit Solutions was hit with a CFPB order. They're a Texas company, and they're accused of blocking distressed borrowers' efforts to avoid foreclosure. Uh, the CFPB announcement, you know, described uh, like some modification agreements that weren't honored from prior services, servicers, and uh, so forth. So, 
Um, CFPB itself, of course, is getting challenged. Uh, the Senate and the House uh, had legislation introduced that would eliminate the CFPB. Um, and in addition, on in the uh, judicial branch of government, uh, an appeals court in Washington, D.C. overturned a federal court's decision uh, that plaintiffs in the federal lawsuit lack standing to challenge the constitutionality. So uh, that case is moving forward. Uh, a report came out last week uh, from the Census Bureau and it indicated the U.S. homeownership rate fell to 63.4% in the second quarter from 63.7% in the first quarter. And uh, in that report, it uh, indicated that the Los Angeles-Orange County region of Southern California had a homeownership rate of 48.5%. That was the lowest among uh, all the uh, large MSAs out there. And finally, uh, an interesting story here we found. Uh, a former HUD uh, Inspector General special agent that had supervisory responsibility for mortgage fraud investigations was convicted of mortgage fraud. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the last. No, uh, mortgage fraud is never funny, but it's just interesting. I mean, that that's unbelievable. It is. It is. So that, that's uh, some of the highlights from our last week of news, and uh, look forward to talking with you next week. I always appreciate you being here with us. And folks, check out the website, www.mortgagedaily.com, or get a hold of Sam Garcia at 214-521-1300. You can always email him. He's very quick at getting back to you, Sam Garcia at mortgagedaily.com. Sam, appreciate you so much, friend. Have Thank a you, sir. Have rest of the week. Stay cool. It's hot here. We're in the dog days of summer here in Texas. Woo-hoo. We Number are. One. Yeah, well, have a good one. Stay cool up there, my friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Let's head over to the Prophet Doctor. Always good to get insights from the Prophet Doctor. And I should say this hey, segment is sponsored by Optimal Blue Secondary Interactive. Good to have you with us, my friend. Thanks, Dave. Great to be on the call. Great to be on the phone. Great to be on the podcast. Hey, you know, one thing that Alice mentioned about MSAs and what Sam just mentioned about Prospect pulling out reminded me of, you know, weeks ago, maybe months ago, PHH basically shut down their marketing service agreements as well. And I know a couple of companies thought, hey, this is a great opportunity for us to go pick up those MSAs <laughs> that these big companies are dumping. Yeah. So, yeah, we know, we know that there's a reason why they're dumping. And so it is an opportunity, but you've got to do it right the first time. So I would encourage everybody who's thinking about picking up or addressing these MSAs that the big companies are dumping to don't take a step forward without calling Mitch Kiter and Troy Garris at Weiner Brosky. Yes. You've got to have not just any lawyer. You've got to have these guys look at your MSAs because they know the rules. They know the CFPB. The CFPB is not explicitly um, prohibiting them, but there's ways in That's which right. they have to be done well. So just a, war, a point, point of caution to, to um, the folks who might be thinking about the opportunities that these changes are presenting. Well, Dave, real quick, I wanted to circle around and uh, excited to have Terry on the call today because I am all about process optimization, and that's some of the things that the Wakefield <laughs> yeah. Company talks about. I am a big believer in touch it once and do it right the first time. And so you, in mortgage banking, when you start thinking about that, you, you go, okay, well, that sounds great. I agree with that. Let's touch it once and do it right the first time. But then you get down in the weeds, and everybody kind of just does their thing the way they want to do it. And so whenever you start talking to um, a mortgage person, the mortgage operations person, let's say, about process improvement or process measurement, the first reaction is, leave me alone. I've got loans to process. Yes. 
You know, nobody wants to change the tires on a car when it's going 70 miles an hour. But the, the, the thing about this, Dave, that's really important is what it does is it, it focuses you on improvement. It don't accept that the way it is is the way that it's best. Think about that. There's a new, better way to do it and be open to the idea that maybe there's a way to actually make more money doing the same thing you're doing because you're going to spend less money because you can do more loans with the same staff because you're going to optimize how you do what you do. So, you know, it's like it's like um, in the military or even when the fire truck heads down the street because there's a house on fire, you know, every house fire is unique, but the procedures and the process the, the firemen implement is very structured and they're very cross-trained. Everybody knows how to do each other's jobs. You know, there's the truck, there's the squad, there's the ladder. And so it, it, people have distinct functions, but they also can cross over. And that's some of the key point here that I, I think Terry's going to get into is part of the element within uh, process optimization. And I would encourage people to go to his website. He's got a great website on how to accelerate transaction velocity and all kinds of really cool stuff. But part of the point is you've got to be able to pick up the hose if someone drops it. You've got to be able to cross over and deal with the fact that there's capacity management issues that hit mortgage banking every single month. We've got the python swallowing the pig, and it always happens at month end, and it happens in the summer. And you've got to be able to have uh, the same people doing more things and cross-training skill sets. And I think Terry's going to address some of that. But don't want to take... Uh, don't want to steal his thunder. I'm excited to have Terry on the call. Excited to see his website. He's got a very dynamic website with great information. Encourage people to give him a call. But that's all I have for now, Dave. Except that you should turn your mic up because you're not quite as loud as the rest uh, of us. Yeah, and I turned it down, so I was because I was I was peaking earlier. I, Andy Dub, doubles as our sound engineer, so I'll be uh, messing with a little bit of that. Well, as you can well, turn so. turn it up, but don't talk louder. The peaking happens because you talk loud, not because oh. the mic's up. So well, turn your mic up, but don't talk loud. Okay, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, good. To, <laughs> yeah, you get enthusiastic about this stuff. So anyway, but it's good to have your not your counsel as well as your uh, audio engineer ability in the background, Andy. Do appreciate it. Uh, even Paul Mollett jumps in there and says, "Hey, look, and you're you're peeking or you're doing this." So he may have some of those same yeah some of those same tendencies or uh, abilities as well. So it's good to have yeah, you. Yeah, the artsy part of it. Well, I want, we're going to, looking at the clock right now, we're going to go right into Terry Wakefield's segment. I'm really looking forward to introducing uh, you to Terry. Terry is someone that I, again, met through Jack and um, Nunnery at Texas Capital Bank. And Jack spoke so highly of what Terry did as following on to the efforts that I had contributed on. And when you start with something that's brand new, you really struggle to get it right, especially when there's, you really want to do something that's unique. And the fact that uh, what Terry has done is he has really found a way to bring a lot of new things that are needed in here through process improvement. And, and I'm really excited to have him on the broadcast. Jack spoke so highly of him. Terry is the president of the Wakefield Company. And he is a mortgage veteran with decades of experience. In fact, we were talking on the phone. He started in the industry in 1972. I started in 1973. I think we're really close to the same age. 
because I had an old extra year to my uh, educa- college education, so I'm suspecting we graduate about the same time. So it's nice to have someone who's been in the industry a little longer because normally it's very rare to find that anymore at uh, when I'm turning 65 this year, so uh, here in, in next month. And I look at this, I go, man, it's so nice to meet someone who's been in this long. But more than that, it's just time. <laughs> he's really look at where he's been in the industry, and I want to get into a little bit of that as we get to know him. But he touches on all aspects of the mortgage origination, production, servicing, supply chain, management, capital markets, uh, you know, strategic alliances. He has the executive advisory services, so we do some similar things there. But you know what? There's just so much wisdom in the processes. And he has something he talks about, this TWC, or the Wakefield Company's process architecture tools. We're going to get into some of that. I'm not going to have enough time, but I've already been through his website, and he sent me, very graciously sent me, a huge slide deck of content. Folks, there is so much here. So without further ado, let's get into it. Good to have you with us, Terry. Great to be here, Dave. Thanks. Yeah, when you and I talk briefly, and before we get into some of the questions, I, I do want to give our listeners a sense of your history, and because it was really pretty interesting how you know where, where your paths have been. So let's connect our audience to some of that history, so that and a lot of people go, I remember, that, I certainly remember that company, and you mean you were behind the scenes on that. So let's go into that a little bit. You started the mortgage industry in 1972. Give us a real quick, I mean, let's just take maybe one or two minutes back here to kind of cover that so people understand. Okay, great. So uh, out of college, I went to work for a savings and loan, uh, did everything that you can possibly do with a mortgage uh, in terms of origination, um, closing, funding, shipping, servicing, um, loss mitigation. So I learned, I learned from the ground up, which was very, very helpful. Um, probably the most, the things I'm most proud of is I was hired by Fannie Mae to launch their mortgage-backed securities business, uh, in 1980. Uh, my biggest mistake in life was not asking for two basis points of all issued securities. That would have been a great trade. Um, and, um, then I got, as a result of my work at Fannie Mae, I got to meet a guy named, uh, by the name of Lou Ranieri at Solomon Brothers, and I went to work there. And a couple of years after um, I joined Solomon, um, I co-founded uh, Prudential Home Mortgage Company. And Prudential Home Mortgage Company was a fantastic experience because it was the first time that I was able to apply manufacturing principles to the production of mortgages because we built the first nationwide centralized loan production facility. Um, and I, I, it was very evident to me after a few months that we weren't in the mortgage business. We were really in the manufacturing business. So you don't see manufacturing principles applied to mortgage lending very often, but I can tell you it works. So um, I've been consulting uh, <clears throat> at the Wakefield companies. We opened this business in 2003. Um, I've been in uh, probably 37 or 38 different loan production environments, covering all channels of production, uh, all different product types. And uh, every time we've been to a lender, we have taken the output of our work and put it in a database, which we call Implore. And I think we now have uh, discrete or um, metrics on 3,700 discrete mortgage wow. production and origination tasks. Wow. So we're in a position to really 
help clients optimize their infrastructure pretty quickly. Well, that's probably why Jack spoke so highly of you last week when we had him on the broadcast. Uh, he talked about some of the positive we made a lot of positive comments, but he really talked about how you helped TCB build the new correspondent, uh, the mortgage correspondent aggregation business. How did you? How did your firm contribute to that process, Terry? Well, first of all, let me say it was a real pleasure to work with Jack and his team because they were truly committed to innovating correspondent lending. And, you know, innovation is not something you see a lot of in this business. So I, I take my hat off to them because innovation does take courage because there's always an element of risk involved. But we basically did three things for TCB. Um, we designed an optimized end-to-end -end process using what we refer to as an optimized production time summary, or OPTS, as I will refer to in, during the broadcast. We then took each task in the OPTS and created a step-level description of each task using what we refer to as task-level detail. We then created an infrastructure blueprint which provides a graphical depiction of how people, process, and technology, because you have to balance all three, how they unite to execute an optimized correspondent lending channel. That's really interesting. So what is OPTS? Okay, the OPTS basically does three things. First of all, it ensures that waste is removed from the process by eliminating non-value-added tasks, such as redundant task performance. We have been in many, many environments where multiple people are doing the same thing. And there's really no sense to perpetuating that environment because it constitutes waste. Yep. Uh, second, the OPTS improves workflow and eliminates functional divisions of labor. And finally, the OPTS identifies all the tasks that are subject to automation through the deployment of technology. Fascinating. Fascinating. Wow. Andy? Yeah. Hey, Terry, thanks uh, for being on the show. Great stuff. Can't wait to talk to you more about it. I started as a savings and loan, too, and grew up in savings and loans doing everything, just like you said, and uh, – Capital markets, accounting, everything, origination. Hey, um, so this eliminating functional divisions of labor sounds like a really interesting, interesting effort, and maybe harder to achieve than than it sounds. But uh, tell me, well, tell me what more about this. What do you mean by eliminating functional divisions of labor? Okay, so you know, virtually all loan production environments that we've seen divide work responsibilities into silos, like loan setup, processing, underwriting, funding, shipping. And we believe these functional divisions of labor <clears throat> create very expensive and disruptive bottlenecks. As an example, at the end of the month, as you referred to earlier, those who fund loans are overwhelmed. Uh, they just can't keep up with this month and rush while their associates are not that busy. So we subscribe to the notion that <clears throat> you need to cross-train the workforce so that all workers can perform all tasks. Now that requires a certification training program and we subscribe to the, to the notion that every time an employee uh, achieves another level of certification, they should get a raise and a bonus because 
if you have an environment where all people can perform all tasks and you have the right technology, these bottlenecks disappear. Wow. That's, that's cool. That's a change. Well, you know, that, that's what innovation is all about. It's changing for the better. Wow, Hi, Terry. This is Alice. So, um, so you know, as educators and trainers ourselves at uh, MortgageU for almost 20 years now, um, you know, we talk a lot about that task level detail. So I'd like to hear your description of task level detail as it relates to the OPTS. Okay. So <clears throat> um, when, when we enter a production environment, we typically find that there's 300 to 350 tasks being performed by humans. And when we create an OPTS, we get that number down to somewhere between 110 and 100. And 50% of those tasks, at least, are automated. So we're able to take 300 to 350 manual tasks and get that down to somewhere between 55 and 70 manual tasks. So that's where the cost savings come in. But what task level detail does is it takes every task that's in the OPTS and creates step-level description of each of those tasks. So um, to give you an example, if we had 110 tasks in an OPTS, we would have approximately two pages of task level detail for each task. So that's 220 pages of step-level description of how that task needs to be performed. So it sounds like a lot of work on the how. I have I have a million questions running through my head about underwriters, but I guess that we'll have to save for another time. So <laughs> sounds like a right. lot of work. Sounds like there's a lot of detail involved in it, obviously, if you look at every single position in the workflow. Well, you're right. It is a lot of work. But as I'm sure you've heard, the devil is always in the details. And what's great about the OPTS and task level details, when they're completed, they combine to put management in control of how work is performed. We'll talk about technology in a minute, but think of it this way. If a task is not in the OPTS or it's not in task level detail, it cannot exist in the production environment. Management is in control. So explain that again. So um, let me give you an example <clears throat> that, that we see in the mortgage industry is that humans continue to orchestrate work. So as a result, if you have 200 people in your loan production environment, you're going to have 200 different processes because humans create manual workarounds to make up for the shortcoming of the technology they're using. And it's impossible to manage 200 different and unknown processes, which is why costs are out of control and compliance is the challenge it is. There's no question that, that, uh, that costs are out of control. Compliance, you look at, Alice talks about that all the time on this broadcast. But I'm really interested in you talking about what this infrastructure blueprint looks like. Explain that to our audience. Okay, so let me create an analogy for you. Um, would you build a house without a blueprint? Well, of course not. No. Never. Um, so the infrastructure blueprint is just that. It provides a graphic 
of how people, process, and technology interact to execute the optimized state. And I'd love to show you one. Uh, we can't show you anything on the radio, but uh, I couldn't even do it if we were um, on a computer because the IB, or Infrastructure Blueprint, consists of three three-foot-by-four-foot documents, just like the blueprint of a house. Wow. And what's really cool about the Infrastructure Blueprint is that it shows all of your third-party business partners where they fit into the process. So when you're ordering a settlement service, when you're ordering closing docs, that vendor can look at the infrastructure blueprint and know exactly where they fit into this process. Wow, this is so cool. I, I love this stuff. I love building, building a past level design and then automation to make it work. And the problem is people never cooperate. <laughs> but you, I can't get them to do what I ask them to the do. Factor. <laughs> then there's the people factor. Then there's the people. So, you know, you know, Terry, you've mentioned technology a, a few times, and obviously it's a substantial element to the infrastructure underpinning of this thing. So t tell me, how does technology fit into the picture? So um, one of the slides that's running in the background of this podcast contains a quote from Bill Gates, um, who has been uh, pretty successful in his life. And it's worth reading because it is so important. So I'm going to quote, the first rule of any technology used in a business is that automation applied to an efficient operation will magnify efficiency. The second rule is that automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. Oh, man, isn't that great? That's cool. So, I, you know, I could state this another way, another way by saying, if you do not optimize your process before you apply technology, there is little to be gained. And, yeah, you know, you just can't argue with a Bill Gates. I mean, he, he's right. been there. <laughs> he's been pretty successful at what he's done. So I think he hits the nail right on the head there. And... Um, you know, the, the next question might be, well, why don't, why don't lenders do more to optimize their process? And I think the root cause is that most mortgage companies have too much bias towards the sales side or the marketing side or the origination side of the business, and they don't give sufficient emphasis to the back office operations. And, Alice would be um, playing the few bars of the Hallelujah Chorus if she could. Right. Yeah. Play. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, we can. I, I, I've lived that story a lot, yeah. <laughs> well, I love your quote from uh, Henry Ford, of course, being a Detroiter. Um, if I had asked people. You've heard a few of them, haven't you? Yeah, I have. What they wanted, they would have said faster horses, right? So, um <laughs> Anyway, well, it, you know, yeah. Alice, that's where vision enters the picture. Mm -hmm. And another thing that was so great about working with the folks at TCB is Jack had a vision mm -hmm. of what he wanted to accomplish. He wanted to be different. He wanted to deliver a better experience to the, to the correspondent channel customers. And he had the vision, and the TCB team brought in, bought into it. And... Real, real concise, innovation requires a clear vision. 
And if you don't take the time to articulate that vision through defining your key business objectives, um, innovation becomes elusive. That is so true. And so let's dig a little deeper into the technology. What's holding the industry back from your perspective? You certainly have a good number of decades looking at it. So what is it? What's holding us back? Well, you know, I could talk about that for hours, Dave, and um, we don't have time for that. But I think the simple answer is that the technology infrastructure that supports the mortgage industry is typically it's hard-coded, it's tightly coupled, and it's old. (laughs) And software has progressed, and we'll get into this in a few minutes, but when you look at just what's happened in human communication patterns, um, the way people deploy technology today, it's, it's cha- it changes like every five years, I mean, maybe every two years. It's happening so fast yeah. that it's very difficult for hard-coded, tightly coupled, and old technology to be nimble and flexible. And that's what you need to be. It's fascinating. I was talking to my good friend David Allison of Dovamule uh, on Friday, and he says, do you, we were talking about the Black Knight system, the MSP system, and he says, do you realize that Black Knight is still dealing with green screens? It's that old cobalt technology. So this, this is probably the best picture of what you, to underscore what you're saying. I want to throw Mike back to Alice. But over $5 trillion of loans are being serviced on the Black Knight on that primary system, and it's some of the oldest stuff around. It's 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 just archaic, but half of the loans in America are serviced on a system that's still some of the most ancient architecture you've ever seen. It's just to underscore your point. Alice? Uh, yeah, so, um, okay, so what do we do about it then? Well, the first thing you have to do um, is thoroughly document an optimized process. We have some tools to do that, but we don't have a monopoly on that. Um, But if you don't take the time to optimize your process, um, technology is just not going to deliver, as as Bill Gates has quoted. Now, there's another point that I want to mention here that Jack brought up last week. And Andy, you used this phrase earlier about changing the tires on a car going 70 miles an hour. I like to use the analogy, changing the wheels on a moving train. Um, It's virtually impossible to take an environment that's producing loans today and think you're going to change it and be successful. Um, Jack mentioned the beauty of their MCA program starting in a greenfield environment. And greenfield environments have no legacy biases. They have no legacy technology issues, you're dealing with a fresh sheet of paper. So we are big believers that if you really want to change your um, production environment and deploy technology effectively, you literally have to build a new infrastructure from scratch, migrate your existing business onto that new platform, and let the old one fade away. Now that requires a transformation plan or transition plan, but, you know, in a span of a year or two, uh, once your new infrastructure is built, you should be in a position where all of your production is being produced on that new infrastructure. 
Wow. <laughs> this is so much. Because just that topic you just raised of building the new one and then transitioning and having the new how do you know how to build the new one the right way? And I mean, there's, like Alice said, we're gonna, there's another show right on that topic. We already got underwriting. Now we're going to have to talk about building the new process. So back on the, the whole, okay, now, now what? We've got the, so if, if we understand how to document our optimized process, and so I understand the need for that, so, but then what comes next? How, what do we do after that? Well, as I just mentioned, you know, software has evolved very quickly, and there are many commercially available replace human work orchestration with automated work orchestration. I'll, I'll mention a couple software components. Uh, there's business process management software. And, um, there's business rules management software. And software and automated communication software. Uh, they're commercially available. Uh, I, I've seen them transform other industries. But unfortunately, these core software components have not been effectively deployed in the mortgage industry. Now, there's a couple of other uh, things worth mentioning. And there are now firms, <clears throat> and we have a business relationship with a company called Milliman, which is a, one of the largest actuarial firms in the United States. And they have developed models using actuarial science, which allow you to predict the likelihood of loan default and loan repurchase risk while the loan is being produced. Now, if I were a lender, I'd want to know what those risks are before I funded a loan. Yeah. That is but, Jack oh, sorry, Terry, go ahead. No, no it, it's just it's just these things are evolving so quickly that it takes a you have to have an open mind. You have to be willing to take the risk associated with innovation, but the risks are mitigated if you're choosing the right software components and the right business partners. Exactly. Wow, there's so much here. I, I was on a call with someone recently who, who didn't understand what BI was, business intelligence, didn't see the value in it, and didn't want, to, didn't want to embrace it. There's so much technology support that could be out there that's not. And the, the actual actuarial process that you described that TCB is using to identify risks, that's another show. I'd love to hear all about that. So, but, you know, talking about Jack, last week Jack talked about process. He used the word process many times, and, you know, we've all heard about the widget of mortgage banking, you know, defining the mortgage production process. And it's important. We need to understand how that works and understand the nuances behind it. So, Share your thoughts with us on the mortgage manufacturing process. Okay, so that's another topic, as you suggested, that could take a while. But let me, let me use another analogy. When a physical good is manufactured, there are a lot of logistical challenges. Uh, for instance, a few weeks ago, I toured a, st a steel manufacturing facility. The tour lasted two hours because the factory was nearly a mile long. Wow. And when I... I, when I finished the tour, I was stunned by how few people I saw in this factory. And those that I did see were monitoring systems that were orchestrating and performing work. Yeah, so lots of, lots of computers and robots and stuff. So how, how does that tie back to mortgage? What's, what's your point? Okay, so next time you're at a mortgage lender, 
ask to tour their loan production environment. What you're likely to see is rows of people in cubicles, files piled on their desktops. Yeah. What's ironic, when you think about it, is the only thing you need to produce a mortgage is data. And the cost of aggregating, moving, analyzing, and storing data drops every year. And it's certainly easier to manage data than it is to produce steel. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Some people think this is rocket science. So, you know, <laughs> right? So <laughs> we, uh, I, I think, you know, there's still a lot of, you know, I'm an old timer in one way, but then in another way, you know, having seen so many shops, uh, there you do see the folks that embrace the technology and base the, embrace the business process improvement. But as a as a whole, the mortgage industry is really far behind. I mean, even in education, we see it. They resist even taking the time out to learn, right? I got to go sell. I, I can't be sitting behind a computer in a classroom learning something. So uh, that's one of my comments on why I might attribute it being so far behind. What, what do you attribute to being so far behind other industries when it comes to automation? Well, I think it's really pretty simple, and that is the mortgage industry has no foreign competition. So there's another slide running in the background that shows the cost of originating and producing a mortgage in the United States has increased from $2,113 in 2004 to $7,195 in the first quarter of 2015. That is an increase of 241. So can you imagine a manufacturer of a physical good surviving if its cost production increased by 241% in the last 11 years, they'd be out of business. Yeah. Well, I think I'm just going to throw in, I think that plays to, you know, a company like Indicom that is working to find solutions to be able to get those costs down. I mean, that is something that we do and uh, you have to look globally. That's a great segue into that, <laughs> into that topic. Thank you. Well, you when you look at the many clients that are complaining that compliance-related expenses are killing them, what's your take on that? I mean, what what are you doing, and what what are you advising people on those points of how to deal with that? Okay, so you know, Jack really had a uh, great quote last week. He said something to the effect that you know, if a lender does not get control of its operations, the regulators will. And so far, the CFPB has imposed fines, and this is another slide running in the background here, of over $2.7 billion on the mortgage industry in just the last few years. And that does not include the $150 billion in fines, buybacks, settlements, and legal fees that the industry has incurred since the end of 2008. Well, I think all of this can be traced, all of these costs can be traced back to inadequate infrastructure. And we, we've met with the CFPB and we know what they want. They want an audit trail of all human performance, all system performance, all internal and external communications received, all documents produced, and they want to see it in a virtual loan file. And it's very easy to do everything I just said if you have the right software components. So true. Yeah, it is. It really is. So is that is that the future? What 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 is your perspective 
on the future? Well, um, a couple things. Uh, unfortunately, my crystal ball has broken, so I can't be, uh, I, I can't read the future with certitude. But I can tell you that the current cost structure is unsustainable. If you study, you know, the MBA performance reports or other sources of information, the only thing that's allowing lenders to profit today is gain on sale. Yeah. So every time they make a loan, they lose money. So um, I know that the regulatory environment is going to remain stringent. As I said, the current cost structure is unsustainable. Fortunately, <clears throat> the gravity of this problem is getting a lot of attention in the private equity space. And we are involved in a number of initiatives with some well-capitalized firms to fix this infrastructure problem. And I'll go on that <clears throat> there will be some innovators like TCB that emerge, and they have the potential to grab a lot of market share in the next few years from lenders that stand still. I mean, imagine, <clears throat> imagine, um, I'll use some numbers that come from the MBA. Direct labor costs today are somewhere between $25 and $2,700 a loan. So imagine what you could do if your direct labor costs were reduced to $600 a loan. So yeah. you pick up $1,900 to $2,200 that flows right to your bottom line. And you're saying well, you, you see that as realistic. You see that as achievable. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, when we do an OPTS, every time we've done one uh, in the last couple of years, um, the direct labor cost has been somewhere between 600 and $700 per close loan. Now, that doesn't include G&A expenses and occupancy and all the other expenses, but in loan production, direct labor costs drive all other expenses. That is, you know, you sit and look at, it's such a good point. I agree with you, but so many people are looking at the problem. And like your quote that you, know, that, that you said about Henry Ford is, if you had asked Henry Ford, he said, if you had asked, if I'd asked consumers what they wanted, they said faster horses. And, and it's getting outside of this industry to come in with the innovation to really bring back the change. That, that's a really astounding, man. <laughs> I want to go look at that more closely. I'd love to have you back, Terry, and talk about it. It's been really good to have you be with us, and you certainly have given us a lot to think about. Can't argue with anything you've said here. It's really solid-based, solid and you've obviously spent the decades in it and looking at it at some really interesting levels. You used to work for Lou Ranieri. That's amazing. That, is a, that in itself is amazing. Folks, uh, we've had as our guest this week uh, Terry Wakefield. Very excited to have him here. He's Chief Executive Officer of Wakefield Company. Uh, if you're on the website, you can go see his contact information is there. If it's not, get a hold of him as his phone number, 262-375-8000. He's at extension 6640, or you can email him, twakefield at twcllc.com. Terry, thank you so much for being with us this week. Uh, I think we're going to have to have you back. There's so much you've opened. You just cracked the, the lid on a very, very big topic. And uh, I can see why Jack was uh, so excited to have recommending having you on the broadcast. Thank you so much for being with us, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Dave. It was great to be here. You bet. It's really good to have you here. 
Folks, I'm looking at the markets as we close out the broadcast. Again, you know, staying up somewhere between the 4 and 8 range on 30 seconds on the 3.5 Fannie Mae 30-year. Uh, look at this. It's going to be an interesting week on the markets. Check out MBS Quote Line. Check out Alice's training programs. Just excellent material all the way around, folks, with what we have and we try to cover here. Appreciate you being here with us. We're going to continue our discussion on innovation in the marketplace and send us your ideas of who you would like us to interview. It's good to have you with us. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for being with us. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 